3w Africa Link If you want to know what's going on in Africa and beyond then this is the right place to be. Hello and welcome to the program with me Okering Gushinado. And I'm Isaac Mugabe, join us on our Facebook page DW Africa and share your thoughts on the stories we are going to cover. Now coming up on the program, African leaders are part of global elites at the World Economic Forum taking place right now in Switzerland. But what is on the agenda for the world leaders to address? Uh, there is a lot of focus on the debt crisis. Uh, and the and the delays that uh, delays in any debt relief coming from creditors Ghana's finance minister Ken Oforiata in an exclusive interview with DW explains how his country is dealing with inflation I think once we we grow uh, and eat what we grow as a nation um, we will be able to then control um, these escalating prices and as usual, we have the latest on Afcon with details on the upcoming game between Nigeria and Ivory Coast. Stay tuned for the details, but first, the world news in brief. DW News. Welcome to the news. My name is Jen Nyinge. Pakistan has been hit. A- has hit alleged militant hideouts inside Iran in a series of retaliatory airstrikes. Islamabad says it targeted bases of Baluchi separatists. Iran had earlier attacked what it called terrorist targets in Pakistan. Each side accuses the other of harboring separatist fighters. The attacks have raised tensions between Pakistan and neighboring Iran. But what does former foreign minister of Pakistan, Hina Rabani Kha, think of that response to Iran's strike? I don't think Pakistan had many options. We all work by an established rule of law. We work under the umbrella of international law. Now, here is a neighbor with which, whom, with which we have 900 kilometers of border and, and umpteen, but it is us protecting our national security. And I can only hope that rationality and strategic vision is going to prevail and uh, we need to come back to the diplomatic talks. The Israeli president Isaac Herzog has called Iran an an evil empire at the root of tensions in the Middle East. Speaking at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, Herzog said that Hamas was armed and financed by Tehran. So what was the reaction to the Herzog discussion at Davos? DW's correspondent Ben Fazulin with more. A standing ovation, Anya, at the Congress Centre, but a very different picture online as I was following uh, the speech. Many users uh, angry, calling for an immediate end to this war. One user questioning why a Palestinian official didn't follow the Israeli president's speech. But Herzog uh, said his nation is still in shock from the barbarism and sadism of the October 7 attacks. He said Hamas is just one element of what he called the empire of evil driven by Iran with its proxies across the region. That was DW's correspondent Ben Fazulin there in Davos. Kenyan cult leader Paul McKenzie and 94 other people have been charged with terrorism following the death of 430 people. The defendants all denied the charges which were read out in a magistrate court in the coastal city of Mombasa. This news is coming to you from DW in Bonn, Germany. 
Three opposition leaders in the Democratic Republic of Congo have called for a nationwide protest on Saturday when Felix Shisekedi, the president, is due to be sworn in for a second term. He won last month's election with 73% of the vote, according to the Electoral Commission. And in Guinea Conakry, a planned peaceful protest by angry journalists in the capital Conakry was stopped by well armed presidential guards and the police. They were deployed around the press house where the angry protesters had gathered to take to the streets. For more on this story, here is Karim Kamara from Conakry. Five journalists who left the press house to look out for food outside were arrested by gendarmes and taken to the station for questioning. Dozens of other journalists are still in the building surrounded by security forces and are afraid to come out for fear of being arrested. The Secretary General of Professional Press Association of Guinea, Seku Pendesa, says the fight for press freedom in Guinea will continue unabated. And that is what we have for now for news. Um, for more information, head on to our website, dw.com forward slash Africa. My name is Jen Nyingi. Thanks for staying with us on the program. And if you just joined us, welcome to Africa Link. Once again, I'm Isaac Mugabe. And I'm Okeri Ngushinado. You can also find us live on our Facebook page, DW Africa. You can comment uh, on the stories we're covering and Isaac and I will be sure to read them. Now on to our top story. Representatives of governments, international organizations, billionaires are once again in Davos, Switzerland for the annual World Economic Forum. More than 2,800 participants are attending the five-day event, which started on January 15, including more than 60 heads of state and government. The theme of this year's uh, meeting of global political and business leaders, celebrities and prominent social activists is rebuilding trust. That is true. Now, part of the African representatives are Ghana's Nana Okufo-Ado and Rwanda's Paul Kagame. The leaders are hoping to discuss the state of the economy and debt crisis. I asked DW's Ashutosh Pandey, what more can we expect from the African delegation? Uh, well, those are clearly some of the major talking points for the African delegates here. Uh, there is a lot of focus on the debt crisis uh, and the and the delays that uh, delays in any debt relief coming from creditors. That's a big uh, issue. Now, the IMF, of course, has said that uh, more than half of the low econ- income economies there are at in debt distress already or at at high risk of one. I mean, we did see Ethiopia just uh, became the latest African country to default in December. Now, there is this concern around uh, fiscal strains also, uh, like how much money the countries have and how much they can spend. Uh, then and this at a time when the borrowing cost for them uh, is rising. So clearly, so this is one of the issues. And the other discussions that I've followed is around creating jobs in Africa and harnessing the continent's massive youth population, uh, the so-called demographic dividend. Uh, In that respect, uh, I got a sense that there is this uh, urgency to pursue uh, commodity-led industrialization. Like uh, Africa should not just be a place where... uh, countries source their raw materials from, but it should also become uh, an integral part of the global supply chain, the value chain, and that industry should be uh, coming around there. Mm -hmm. Uh, The U.S. State uh, Secretary Anthony Blinken also met with Rwandan President Paul Kagame on the sidelines, where he mentioned that the U.S. was committed to supporting efforts towards a peaceful resolution of differences that's between Rwanda and DR Congo. 
Is there any information on what was discussed during this closed-door meeting? Yeah, well, uh, it was a closed-door meeting, as you mentioned, and not much of it was made public as to what transpired. Of course, there was a lot of uh, uh, greetings and uh, the mood was pretty upbeat when the two leaders uh, met. Uh, but uh, there was a statement put out by Sec- uh, Secretary Blinken's office and uh, post the meeting and in which it said that the two leaders discussed how to advance efforts to ease tensions uh, in Eastern DRC. And Blinken also took the opportunity to call on the stakeholders there to actually take concrete steps to resolve the situation. I mean, unfortunately, we don't know more of what happened during that uh, discussion, but this was uh, what came out of the statement. The UNDP and also African leaders launched, um, there's also a Timbuktu initiative, which is to unleash Africa's startup revolution. What exactly do they mean by this? What is this initiative? Yeah, well, it is what they're trying to say, unleashing the startup potential. There's just so much potential in the entire continent, especially when it comes to technology. So basically, this is an innovation fund to promote startups, to create jobs for the youth, the to harness the demogra- demographic dividend that we just mentioned. Uh, the Basically, the fund actually expects to mobilize and invest. Uh, the target is to invest $1 billion in capital over the next 10 years. It's a pan-Africa uh, 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 fund. And uh, so the fund will be, uh, will be based out of Kigali. And that's the reason why President Kagame actually announced a contribution of $3 million to start the fund. But it will be spread across countries. So there would be some element of it in uh, Morocco. There'll be some elements in Nigeria and, and so on and so forth in Ghana. So basically, there would be uh, different like sectors would be having their own core uh, areas or if I could put like the, the core hubs in these particular countries. I was speaking to DW's Ashutosh Pandey, who is currently in Davos, Switzerland, for the World Economic Forum. Interesting interview there. In a related development uh, on economic matters, Ghana, a country once seen as a model of African development, is facing its fair share of inflation. Mm -hmm. Now, to to put things into perspective, the economy grew by 8% in 2019, making it one of the fastest growing economies in the world. Fast forward to 2022, Ghana's currency, the SEDI, plunged against the dollar and inflation shot to record highs of above 50%, Isaac. The resulting economic crisis forced Ghana to seek financial aid from the IMF, which is the International Monetary Fund. And that was a brief background about what happened to Ghana. Well, our colleague, Eddie Maker Jr., spoke to the country's finance minister, Ken Ofori Atta, who was visiting Berlin to find out how they are recovering. We just heard some Ghanaians saying they are still suffering from a high cost of living. You recently said Ghana's economy is getting back on track. So why are people not feeling that Mm. in their pocket? Yeah, I mean, there's there's no question that um, we've been through some very difficult um, circumstances and the headwinds are still there. But as one of the uh, respondents mentioned, you know, we really hit a low of um, 54% inflation at the end of 2022 and also the currency you know plummeted um, to 50% um, during that period Um, but this is really sort of coming 
on the back of an economy um, that was uh, pretty strong with inflation in single digits or so. But what we've been able to do this year as we look to tackle it um, is, as you can see, inflation has come down to 23.2%. Um, so as the gentleman said, and that's the issue of trying to tackle uh, prices. And then we also saw um, the currency depreciate by 50%. Uh, and this year since February, um, one of the gentlemen also said so um, that the currency has been strengthening. Of course, you're going to the IMF seeking overall that $3 billion. That's increasing Ghana's debt, isn't it? Because now we have a debt of at least $50 billion. Isn't the growing debt a major concern to the country's economic recovery? Um, the question um, really um, that we have asked that through um, this restructuring um, um, transaction that we have done, uh, we basically are reducing our debt um, portfolio. We also, uh, in these negotiations, uh, have agreed um, to gradually bring Ghana's debt down to 55%. So this is much um, cheaper debt restructuring to cut um, some of the debt off and then get to a position of about 55% debt to um, GDP ratio, uh, which is good for us. So it's a program okay. of debt restructuring that would enable us to get to a sustainable level. Mm. See, uh, at the end of the day, I'm sure your work uh, entails that you do all you can to make sure that Ghanaians are not feeling the pinch as much, you know, to cushion the effect of, of, of the uh, financial, you know, crunch or economic meltdown, so to speak. So what is yeah. your message to Ghanaians who are still struggling to see light at the end of the tunnel? I think one of the key issue areas of intervention is really food and agriculture. And you can see that even with food inflation that is coming down and we need to stop importing. Um, and therefore the economic enclaves that we are putting together so that we can become um, secure in the areas of rice and maize, etc. And I think the new agriculture minister is working hard at that. So that's key, getting our agricultural productivity in place and then moving on um, to value add so that we import less. Uh, that was Ghana's finance minister, Ken Ofori, speaking to our colleague, Eddie Mecca Jr. You can also tell us how your economies are doing by going to our Facebook page, DW Africa. It's a quarter past the hour. In case you are just tuning in, this is DW's Africa Link program, broadcast from Monday up to Friday, right here in Bonn, Germany, the heart of Europe. Once again, I'm Isaac Mugabe. And I'm Okering Gushinado. Connect with us on our Facebook page, DW Africa. We have a lot more coming. And as usual, we have Afcon updates. I already see um, some of you commenting. Sidi Mansou said, win for the Eagles, uh, referring to the game that's coming up with Nigeria versus Ivory Coast, Isaac, right? Yeah, it's going to be a clash of the Titans. And mm -hmm. of course, we have so much for you regarding that game. Our colleagues in Abija spoke to the captain of the Super Eagles and some players So. If you want to know how ready they are for the elephants, I will, of course, just stick with us. Don't go away. But in the meantime, 
Yeah, DRC squandered several chances. And before that, we are going to bring you also the story of Nigeria about corruption. Uh, President Bola Tinubu says he's fighting corruption like he promised in his New Year's speech. You hear what Nigerians think. Taking up one or two public or civil servants is not fighting corruption. You have to go to the root of the issue of corruption, which is the enforcement of the rule of law. Okay, that story will come a little later, isn't it, Okeri? Yes, because we, we promised this time it will be Afcon reloaded. Mm-hmm. And many of you are waiting for the big game a little later today, which is Ghana versus Egypt. And of course, Ivory Coast and Nigeria will be playing. But before that, first things first. DRC last evening squandered several chances in a one-to-one draw with Zambia, who took the lead thanks to quick thinking before being swiftly pegged back in their Africa Cup of Nations Group F clash. Now, despite surviving that clash, Zambians are actually not happy with their team's performance at all. Yes, they're not happy even even though even though DRC had many chances. Mm-hmm. Well, Gloria Mushinge in Lusaka has been speaking with some football fans or fanatics on the streets of Lusaka and brings us their reactions in the following report. The formation, starting lineup, and defensive play of the Zambia national team Chipolo Polo against DRC was not convincing for many fans back home. The fans say the national team coach, Avram Grant, failed to read the game and make timely substitutions. Chipolo Polo were under extreme pressure and survived defeat thanks to magnificent display of the defending duo of Scotland-based Frank Musonda and China-based and 2012 Afcon-winning goal scorer Stofila Sunzu. Innocent Simwinga, bus conductor and football fan, explains. The defense was solid, but the strikers and midfielders were under so much pressure because the Congolese were very strong. But Lusaka bus driver Christopher Kampamba says Zambia salvaged a point from the game because of their defensive playing style. Many players from the starting lineup had never participated at the AFCON before. It was a good tactic because our team went with uh, players who are just attempting that for the first time. So gaining a point, it was a plus to to Zambians. Zambia, coached by Avram Grant, were making their comeback after missing the last three editions of the AFCON and were looking for their first win at the tournament since they lifted the trophy against the odds in 2012. Lukundo Mhango says Chipolopolo need to work harder to stand chances of lifting the trophy again. Most of these guys like Sakala, they just seemed like there was no interest. Lamek Band actually came in with something different as compared to what Sakala was doing. He couldn't bypass one person, he couldn't make any sort of crosses. I feel like maybe next time we should try and go with a different um, ambitious side. I hope we do better with the Tanzanian game. The draw against DRC sets Zambia to face another of their neighbors next in the shape of Tanzania on Sunday. Glory Mushinga with that report reacting, um, Zambians reacting to their um, game against the DRC. Now, Nigeria's Super Eagles will take on host Ivory Coast in a thriller match that is a do or die for Nigeria. The Super Eagles drew their first match against Equatorial Guinea that was on Sunday. Well, as we speak now, crowds are converging at the Alassane Ouattara Stadium in Abidjan. 
Ivory Coast or the elephants or les éléphants as they're known in French <laughs> need a win against uh, need a win to qualify to be the first team to qualify. On the other hand, Nigeria Super Eagles also need a match needed win to stay afloat or else it will be trouble for them. Well, our own Samson O'Malley, who's covering AFCON for us in Abijah, caught up with the captain of the Super Eagles and some of the players, and this is what they told him. All right, I have the captain of the Super Eagles with me. Um, we just want to just get a few thoughts from him regarding the 2023 African Cup of Nations and, of course, after one game being played and the several to come. Uh, just get a few thoughts from him about what's happening with the team, the outlook at the moment, and all of those. Ahmed Musa would like to welcome you. Uh, thank you very much for talking to us this morning. Um, tell us, is one game down, you're the captain of the team. Give us an atmosphere of what the team is like uh, the atmosphere in the hotel in the camp as it is looking ahead to your next game as you can see you interview most of the players you can see the happiness in everyone's face yeah no matter the situation of the first game we don't have to be sad because we know the importance of the next game so as you can see everybody's happy the spirit is high we are just waiting for Thursday to come to showcase what we're gonna do in the pitch again no doubt you're one of the most experienced most cap players right now in the team um, how much have you been able to galvanize the cohesion the unity uh, in the camp and of course what are you telling the boys yeah we say thank you very much to the boys because no matter the situation no matter everything i want to say they always give me that respect listening here to hear what i'm going to say uh, what i'm what I'm, I'm i'm trying to offer to them and we talk a lot morning afternoon before sleep we have some meetings with some of the players that I need to talk to. So we're doing all our best, all we can do to win the game. We know that it's not going to be a very easy game for the both country, but inshallah we'll do all our best to win that game. One thing a lot of Nigerians are concerned about is that people are really under pressure. They are criticizing the team, they are criticizing the coach, they are criticizing your play. I mean, uh, is that having any impact on the team? And what would you want to say to Nigerians who somewhat are not really believing in the team? When you have a confidence on something, when you lose, it affects you more. But if you don't have a confidence on something and then you just surprise and get what you want, you'll be more happier because you are not even expecting what you are seeing. So definitely in 2013 when we won the trophy, nobody believed in us. So inshallah, maybe that is what is going to happen again. So nobody knows. So, but we are doing all our best to make our country, our family, the nation proud. What, what makes this Afcon different from every other Afcon you've been to? Just give us a sense. Why is this unique? As you can see, the first game, the big team have been struggling to equalize, to get a draw, even though it's a, it's a draw. So for me, I think this Afcon is very difficult Afcon because there is no any smaller country anymore. All the country you have been seeing. Look at what Egypt. They are just lucky to get a to get a draw in that game. Look at a team like Ghana who lost the first game. Algeria, only Senegal won three goals with uh, like a confidence. But all the, all the other uh, big countries are struggling to have a draw. So that is how most of tournament always started. So we just have to go back to our drawing board, see where we have some mistake, correct it in the next game. All right, and tell us about Cote d'Ivoire. The host country and of course the Super Eagles. I was in the first game. The massive support by the fans is, is huge. What are people telling yourself and how do you guys view that game? That is the number one pressure 
that they have. For we, we have a pressure to win. For them, they have the pressure to win and then please the fans. So it's a very difficult moment for the both countries. So we'll do all our best because we know if we lose that game, it's going to be very shit for us. So definitely, we have to do all our best to see that we win that game. All right. Thank you very much for talking to me. Um, so far, how will you describe the atmosphere in the team? I think the atmosphere is actually okay. The love and everything, I think. Um, we are actually ready. We are ready, myself, ready and everything. The determination and the motivation in the team, the old players and the new players and everything, and the young, and the young boys in the team, I think. Um, um, we are we are actually motivated. Now, now tell me, um, you have a game against Cote d'Ivoire. How will you decide? I know you've been asked this question. What are you people talking about? How are you guys approaching that game? What are you telling yourself in the team? It's a hosted country. Uh, we are, we are, in our club, we have played so many away games and everything. Um, 100 capacity, 200 and everything. But playing against uh, Africa is not a problem for us. We only have to keep working hard and play our game. Is Africans? They'll be scared of us also. <laughs> so I don't see I don't see any problem in our team because my team they are ready and they are ready to fight and they are ready to give everything. The Super Eagles, they are speaking to our correspondent, Samson Omali. In the meantime, the game between Equatorial Guinea and Guinea-Bissau has ended in favour of Equatorial Guinea, beating four goals to two in Guinea-Bissau. And more about the sports and AFCON will be in our special AFCON story of the week tomorrow, so don't miss out. Now, Ghana's Black Stars must beat Egypt this evening, or at least draw in the worst-case scenario, hoping that they will win, I mean, hoping that they'll win their match against Mozambique. Now, we are on our Facebook page, uh, what do, what do you think about this upcoming match? Benon says, "To my opinion, my odds are too low for Ghana to win this game over Egypt." Oh, that doesn't sound positive. And Mahawi Shaw says, "We are mm. going to defeat the Pharaohs by ten goals." Yeah, Isaac Apia says they just forget to uh, they should just forget to win against Egypt next time. They will be serious. Uh, thanks for those comments. Now to another story: mm-hmm. Nigerian President Bola Ahmed Tinubu has cracked the whip against corruption. The Economic and Financial Crimes Commission (EFCC) has begun arresting government officials accused of corruption. Now, the arrests have been sent a signal to Nigerians who had reservations that Tinubu's government wouldn't be able to fight corruption. Ben Shemang has more. During his New Year's message, President Bola Tinubu warned Nigerians of tough days ahead for corrupt officials. Rampant corruption in Nigeria has stagnated economic growth and prosperity for many Nigerians still living below the poverty line. Among those arrested were the Minister of Humanitarian Affairs and Poverty Alleviation, Beta Odu, and the former Governor of Nigeria's Central Bank, Godwin Emefile. An Abuja-based lawyer, Zachary Sofa, says that the fight against corruption must be taken seriously by the government at all levels in Nigeria. To fight corruption and then show clearly to the citizens of Nigeria, this is what I am going to do to deal with the problem. Taking up one or two public or civil servants is not fighting corruption. You have to go to the root of the issue of corruption, which is the enforcement of the rule of law and the enforcement of due process, whereby a government as a policy will say, we are going to go by the rules. Anyone that runs fouls of the rule will pay the penalty that is set there. A pensioner, Jimo Yusuf, feels President Tinubu needs to fight corruption even harder than his predecessor, Muhammadu Buhari. Worried to fought the people inside his cabinet, Secretary of the Government of the Federation was removed. 
so the same way, so the one that can be used the stick for, they will use it for. And the other one, they will look the other side. The same way Buhari did. So many complaints about some of his ministers, but uh, he didn't do anything. Some people were being sacked for corruption. Some were left even with barrage of uh, complaints about them on corruption matter. In the capital, Abuja, Nigerians who spoke to DW gave mixed feelings about how successful governments in Nigeria have attempted to fight corruption, but with varying results. The fight against corruption by the present administration has been ineffective in the sense that the citizens don't see it. I have not seen the traces of any fighting of corruption in this current government. At least we even see when Buhari came in, we see some traces that he tried to take some step in fighting corruption. But for this present government, I have not seen any serious step in fighting corruption at all. During Buhari's tenure, we only hear that, yes, investigation will be carried out and eventually nothing will be done. At least we are seeing evidence in this new administration, which is the Tinubuse administration. He is out to fight corruption. Nigeria's Minister of Information, Mohamed Idris, says Tinubu is committed to ensuring that public funds are utilized to address the needs of Nigerians. So Edmonds into the government, can President Tinubu give corruption a big fight? Nigerians and the rest of the world are waiting to see that. Ben Shemang reporting that. Now, in just 30 minutes, uh, Ivory, Ivory Coast's elephants will be playing against Nigeria's superstars in a do-or-die match. We have comments live mm-hmm. on our Facebook page. Kingsley okay. Oni says that winning Ivory Coast will be difficult for Nigeria, but black... But, but we'll definitely leave Ivory Coast tonight. That's the Black Stars. They will leave Ivory Coast tonight. Mm-hmm. Olubio Nelson says Nigeria will win the cup, or hopefully so. And by the way, before we end up, just to remind you, we have Story of the Week. It's a special Afcon production. So don't miss it out tomorrow. Make a date with us. Until tomorrow sometime, my name is Isaac Mugabe. And this has been Okere Ngushinado. Goodbye. Made for Minds.